You're listening to the podcast Water X Future, presented by Aquaporin, a water technology company based in Denmark. Aquaporin works to preserve one of our most valuable resources, water, by combining advanced bioengineering, open innovation, and circular thinking. In this podcast, your hosts Mette Mulgo and Josefine Audras talk to experts about water and all the opportunities and dilemmas it contains, technologies rooted in nature, the purpose of innovation, and the spectrum between science and humans. Welcome. In the last episode, we headed straight into space. We were trying to figure out how to reuse water on space missions. In this episode, we're staying on Earth where we will explore the concept of open innovation. To help us navigate in this wide area and give us some great examples of open innovation, we have invited Mariana Lubanski and Peter Holme Jensen to join our podcast. Mariana is CEO at Science City Lyngby, which has developed an innovation district where new and established businesses work together on world-class new technologies and solutions. Peter is a newly appointed Chief Innovation Officer at Aquaporin and is responsible of the company's deep tech and open innovation departments. What is open innovation? Well, it's the opposite of closed innovation, where you keep knowledge to yourself and the entire innovation process takes place exclusively within the company. It's an innovation trend that a lot of big companies are adopting all over the world. It promotes collaboration with people and organizations outside the company. You basically accept the idea that there are many bright professionals that can contribute with new knowledge. It's all about co-creation, opening a dialogue to reach the best results. The idea behind this is a more decentralized approach to innovation based on the fact that knowledge today is widely distributed and no company could effectively innovate on its own. In this episode, we're going to get a better understanding of open innovation by looking at Science City Lyngby and Aquaporin, two companies that thrive on the concept of open innovation. We see it at Science City Lyngby that wants to find solutions to the challenges of the future locally and be a Danish beacon for open innovation on the world stage. They have a high number of tech startups and talents working closely together to develop knowledge, technology, and solutions for a sustainable future. At Aquaporin, open innovation has been a cornerstone from the beginning. They see it as a circular way of thinking and about giving back. Partnerships are vital to their entire operation. Now we're going to speak with Marianne Lubanski, who is CEO at Science City Lyngby. So first of all, welcome to the podcast, Mariana. Can you start by introducing yourself? Certainly, and thank you so much for the invitation to participate in in your podcast. I have been looking very much forward to that. So um, I'm Mariana. I'm the CEO of uh, a not-for-profit membership organization called Science City Lyngby. And uh, Lyngby is uh, 15 kilometers, kilometers north of Copenhagen. So for some people, it's part of Copenhagen. For some people, it's really far out. (laughs) And uh, we are based in and around um, the Denmark's technical 
Central University, and so th so that's why we are here. That's why we are a science city because we have the Technical University of Denmark based in our geography. Thank you for the presentation. As you said, you are the CEO at Science City Lyngby. Can you talk a bit more about what Science City Lyngby is? Certainly. Uh, Science City Lyngby is actually turning 10 years uh, this January. So 10 years ago, some visionary people in uh, Lyngby decided to uh, establish a membership organization to uh, enhance the collaboration between the stakeholders in the area. So it's uh, mainly, of course, uh, the municipality, but also uh, the technical university, as I said. But we also have a number of other educational institutions in our geography actually 10 huge educational institutions so it's also a education city in many ways and we have uh, and which is pretty unique for for a city of our size uh, we only have uh, about 57 58,000 inhabitants but we have uh, large corporate uh, companies here um, well known as uh, Microsoft and Novozymes and Hempel Topso Kovi huge companies and a lot of startups so we're also the startup city uh, Uh, in Denmark, um, about two new startups are coming out of uh, DTU every week, which is quite unique. Uh, and uh, so that vibrant environment and all the stakeholders here, the small co companies, the large ones, the educational institutions and the municipality felt a need to enhance the collaboration among them and also to sustain the area in a way, because you have so many people here that all want to come here, work here, live here, create their company here. And that demands uh, uh, proper uh, infrastructure, demands places to live, places to eat, places to study, places to test. So, so, and that you can do in in a collab collaboration between the different uh, stakeholders. We we have a lot of landowners here as members as well. Uh, a lot of the pension funds, for instance, they own buildings. So it's important that they understand how to develop the buildings that they they support uh, the innovation environment. That we have. And we will talk more about Science City Lyngby in a bit. But first, I would like to ask you what your personal motivation is to work there. You have worked there since 2019. What makes it so interesting for you? As a lot in life, it's, it was a coincidence in a way. I, I was studying um, uh, economy and uh, one of my teachers uh, was part of a startup and he they needed a student helper. And then I got involved in that startup uh, already while studying. And uh, I got so thrilled about working in a startup and being part of a startup environment that I, I continued working in that startup for years and jumped to another startup and, and then had my own company for six years. So the first 10 years of my career I actually worked in the startup community and from there I jumped to larger corporations and uh, support organizations uh, supporting other startups also internationally so so uh, when I saw this job uh, here in in Science City Lyngby I was attracted because it's a fantastic environment uh, to be part of because uh, it's just so full of smart people and and you see all these uh, tech innovations going on. I was so lucky that I had a couple of years uh, where I was working in Silicon Valley and uh, where I actually met um, Peter the first time from Aquaporin and, and uh, 
was so lucky to be part of when, when he actually met um, NASA and, and the whole collaboration with, with NASA and uh, on water. And, and so I've been, I've, I've known aquaporin for more than 10 years. The existence of your company and been following it, I think it's, it's super fantastic. And that's been part of my DNA from like a young person that, that I love tech. And, and uh, I think it's fantastic, you know, this ambition of, of wanting to change the world. Uh, and the passion you find in among uh, students, uh, researchers, and and startups—it's uh, just fantastic. An ambition of Science City Lyngby is to find solutions to the challenges of the future locally and be a Danish beacon for open innovation on the world stage. Which kind of challenges are you working with, and can you give us some concrete examples? We we actually have um, a membership based which is really heavily involved in um, the green transition, so uh, the energy transition. So so when you look at like carbon capture or uh, future fuels for like heavy uh, transport for for ships for for aviation, you know we have Topsu here, we have uh, Novosams here, we have Maersk uh, drilling here, we have companies here that are closely related to or addressing uh, you know a green uh, sustainable world with really uh, groundbreaking technologies and at the same time uh, you need a lot of data to be able to to enhance that transition and 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 Microsoft with their new cloud for sustainability are really working heavily on that agenda as well so what we try to do is actually to bring these people around the same table to see if they can find new ways of collaborating and and support each other and um, one one big uh, project we have right now is that we are working on using our geography uh, as a kind of living lab uh, to test some of the different technologies that the, the companies are are developing because you know we don't need to go so far to actually be able to test does this work or not especially if it's IT and, and data solutions so so we've actually uh, we have actually launched a, a data an open data platform where our members uh, share data uh, on on energy for instance and um And we try to share it with students and researchers at DTU. So we get the help from the smart guys up there um, to look at our data from some of our huge members to see how can we work on, on, on reducing uh, our CO2 footprint as a city, as a whole. So it's involving the municipality, the, the big companies, smaller companies, uh, the big educational institutions as well. And also the pension funds are super interested in this. So so that's what, where it's, we are only four people working in the secretariat, but you know, we have fantastic members uh, with more than 20,000 uh, employees that can actually help us address some of these really uh, big challenges for our society. And and they do that and, and um, they keep on telling me that, you know, we can't do it without you because you're the guy inviting us around the table. You know, if you are in one company, you don't automatically reach out and, and have a collaboration with other companies just around you, especially if it's not like logic. Why should we collaborate? But you, 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 you discover that around the table. So so the challenge is our main focus right now is uh, on, on uh, sustainability and energy transition and uh, at all levels, actually. Science City Lyngby is a great example of how co-creation and collaboration bring new ideas to life. They want to push for a green, sustainable world by sharing data and technology. And this is a podcast where we talk a lot about water. So is water, water treatment also something you work with in Science City Lyngby? 
Yes, water is a part of it as well. And I can give you a few examples. Um, uh, the, the utility, for instance, here uh, are very heavily involved, of course, in drinking water and cleaning water and stuff, but also with climate adaptation. Because there's a lot of water in our in our municipality, we have a lot of lakes and stuff, and and uh, we actually have issues about uh, too much water sometimes in our downtown, uh, which is a problem for for uh, our high rail and and mobility uh, as such. So and and so there's a lot of people working on climate adaptation and see where can we move the water and use it for recreational um, functions in, instead of like uh, seeing it as a problem. How can we use it and and for instance flood a park so that it becomes a lake if there's too much water. So so water is a part of like the climate adaptation energy transition debate. Drinking water uh, in Denmark is, is challenged as well. So, so, uh, so that's also an issue. Also, for not just for the utility, but also for some some of the big building owners also look into it. Uh, we have hotel chains here. We have huge uh, consumer uh, businesses, and they are all looking into like how can we reduce the use of water. How can we use it smarter? Um, can we uh, save some of uh, the rainwater and use it as secunda water? Uh, there's, there's a lot of debate around water as well. I mean, I know the way that, that uh, Aquaporin is kind of working on, on, on water is maybe more for industry uh, water or for healthcare, life sciences, um, uh, and, and some of the companies here like Novo Sciences, for instance, are, are also looking into that. So, so I, I think there are, there are some connections between our, some of our members as well. Where, where you look at water in a different way. If you think about Hempel, I mean, the way they work uh, with a nanotech on, in their paint for big ships to reduce falling, uh, it's really interesting as well. I mean, they, they, are, they are trying to reduce their, their, their footprint uh, by creating a paint that looks like water so that, that the different falling in the ocean can't see that it's a ship and then it doesn't stick. And that reduces a lot of uh, fuel and, and thus CO2 reduction. So, so water is kind of like not, it's part of the nexus. It's part of the debate. It's part of when we talk about energy, uh, you also talk about water because it costs energy to move water. That makes sense. So the last question I would like to ask you is the topic of this episode is open innovation. And you already mentioned innovation several times. So why is open innovation so important for Science City Lyngby? So the way we try to, to um, work with open innovation is to actually encourage our members to dare share their knowledge and data with each other, but mainly with uh, students and researchers at our, our universities. Because um, you know, we, we prefer that the students here actually get access uh, to real data, to real knowledge, that, that what they're working on is not just theory, but that they actually get a look at the real world. They can help us address some of the challenges we have. They can give us new insights. And, uh, and at the same time, they also get smarter. They know more about the reality that they are going to work in afterwards. So a concrete example is that on, on February 10th, which is quite soon, we are participating in a, in a hackathon at the DTU Skylab, where we will have a lot of students involved in 
an energy challenge that we are we are trying to address it in in the downtown of our city where there is no symbiosis uh, there's no symbiotic collaboration between the different stakeholders and actually in the same building we have a, a company that is using a lot of cooling and and um, and they are, have a lot of like uh, heat uh, from that cooling and they don't they, it's just wasted and that heat we are trying to see could we actually use that heat for maybe heating the the hotel which is in the same building so so stuff like that we are trying to involve researchers and and students uh, in coming up with like business models and uh, ideas of like how can we make this happen in real life and and it's encouraging a lot of the students here on on monday i took part of a challenge at at uh, skylab as well for sustainable retail and i had 700 students uh, listening in on 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 our challenge which is really encouraging they they want to participate they want to be part of of creating the future, and uh, and we are not alone in our challenges here, uh, which is a super cool uh, way of working on on open innovation. I think the challenge-based way, and then you know providing data um, and support, mentoring is the best way to to go ahead. But we also work on open innovation among our members. So as I said, we've had a, a roundtable on green transition the last year, just with the big companies, the municipality and DTU. They have been meeting four times at CEO level, VP level, debating how can we work together on, on, on some groundbreaking world-class solutions that we do one-on-one, but other things that we could actually do together to to speed up the process uh, of um, climate adaptation and, and CO2 reduction. It all sounds very interesting. Good luck. It is super, super interesting and overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. Good luck in your further work. Science City Lyngby is really incorporating the spirit of open innovation. The educational city is filled with startups and already established companies to try and enhance the collaboration between the two. As Mariana calls it, it's like sharing data in a living lab. And to dare share this knowledge with students who offer new insights so they can reduce their CO2 footprints. Next up, we speak with Peter Holme Jensen, the Chief Innovation Officer at Aquaporin. He'll help us get a better understanding of open innovation and how they use it at Aquaporin. Peter, we have talked to you before, but back then you were CEO of Aquaporin. But since the beginning of the new year, you have a new role. You are now Chief Innovation Officer. What will you do in this new role? Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a quite exciting new role I have from the 1st of January this year as uh, Chief Innovation Officer. My prime focus will be uh, open innovation activities, which is really something that Aquaporn has been doing from day one. And uh, it's something that lo- quite, lies quite close to my heart also. So that's why I jumped into this position. And there are sort of, uh, I would say, three legs in the, in the open innovation activities that we have in Aquaporn. The first one is um, public-private partnerships, which is something that Aquaporn has been doing all the way back since 2005, uh, which is uh, collaborations both with academic institutions and also with private institutions and companies uh, in these public-private partnerships where you are able to uh, 
attract a lot of network, but also co-funding from governmental side for the uh, technological development uh, efforts that that we're doing in Aquapoint. And uh, being in the water space, this is uh, a little bit unique in the sense that there's not really a government on earth that does not support development of more uh, innovative and, um, and energy efficient water treatment. So being in the water space as a company really gives you a, a unique opportunity for attracting public-private partnerships and uh, co-funding from governmental side. And it's something that we continue and just bring a new focus on. The second part is uh, the uh, in-house open innovation activities that we have in Aquapoint. Uh, and here we have uh, three different things that we're focusing on right now. We have the Aquapoint Academy, where we bring in students to... Uh, do projects in Aquapoint. We do that to sort of reach out to the students and also to uh, you could also use them as a resource in our development for things we don't have time for ourselves, so to speak. <laughs> uh, the good thing on top of that is that we, the first thing is we actually develop our employees as managers for the students. And secondly, we are also developing the students and sometimes we are even de developing the students so much that we end up hiring them. So I think out of the 135 students that we have graduated from Aquapoint Academy in the last seven, eight years, I think we've actually hired around 10% of them. So that's quite a good success factor. That's the first thing in uh, in-house open innovation activities. The second part is uh, Primer, which is uh, trying, you could say, the activity where we try to bring art and science a little bit closer together and see what comes out of that. It's still an experiment. <laughs> And a very exciting experiment, I would say. We continue that and maybe we will also try to bring Primer into some of the public-private partnership activities in the future. We talked about Primer in the episode called When Science Meets Art and how to build a bridge between the two. It's two concepts that may seem different, but actually have a lot in common and can learn a lot from each other because they are both trying to answer questions in an uncertain field. Primer wants to connect art, science, humanities, and technology. The last part of the uh, in-house open innovation activities is the Aquapoint Garage, where until now we have um, invited uh, startups into Aquapoint and uh, giving them access to our facilities for free for a couple of years. And uh, we might rethink the idea of how we are going to use the Aquapoint Garage in the future. Uh, but that also needs a bit of focus and a bit of time. So um, these are the three things that we are doing with our in-house open innovation activities. The last part on the three overall uh, themes of open innovation that I talked about is then technology scouting, which goes a little bit hand in hand with uh, public-private partnerships, because it is actually, you could say, the idea of saying we do open innovation in the sense that, you could say, the contrary to open innovation is... Uh, more in-house innovation or closed innovation, as I prefer to call it, <laughs> uh, because uh, it is where you actually close the doors and then you innovate. And then when you're ready, you open the doors to the market. We don't really believe in that type of innovation. We would like to, uh, to uh, develop together with other companies and universities. And technology scouting can be a tool for that, saying that we don't have to invent everything ourselves in Aquapoint. We can actually also go out and in dialogue with universities or other companies, we can actually do technology scouting and then bring in technologies that have been developed elsewhere. And that's a new activity in Aquapoint. Until now, I would say more or less all of the um, 
technologies that we have developed in Aquapon has been developed by or also commercialized in Aquapon has been developed by ourselves. Uh, and now we are trying to bring technology scouting in as a new tool to accelerate our commercialization in the sense that we can actually also commercialize things that uh, within the water space that has been developed by, for instance, universities. And that is something that not a lot of companies in the water space do. So we really see that as a big opportunity. Yeah, so there, it's really clear that uh, Acroporin is a really innovative company and that it plays a crucial role to have this mindset of open innovation. What do you look most forward to in your new role as Chief Innovation Officer? Well, uh, a little bit going back to the roots, I would say, because uh, Acroporin was really founded on on uh, your culture of open innovation, where from day one we have collaborated with a lot of uh, universities and uh, different private institutes or private companies. And uh, what what really comes out of that is uh, a setup where you uh, secure that what you do and what you develop has some sort of relevance to society. Because when you do, for instance, a public-private partnership, you need to uh, find partners that are in all parts of the value chain, so to speak. So you need technology innovators like Acropoint. You also need system integrators. Uh, and I can mention many of companies we are already working with today that are doing that. You also need end users that are using the water either in the industry or uh, you could say consumers like us in the value chain. And then you also in the beginning for the early stage research and development, you need the universities. And this is what you can do in uh, in open innovation and also in public-private partnerships. You can actually create networks where you have uh, academic players, you have technology players, you have system integrators, and you have end users. And um, setting up these uh, networks and also working in these networks are quite exciting, I think. And can you give us some concrete examples of open innovation when it comes to developing new ways of getting clean drinking water? I, well, I can <laughs> I can give you a very recent example that we are doing together with um, the Danish aerospace company. We, we have uh, some years ago we have created Aquapoint Space Alliance, this joint venture between Aquapoint and the Danish aerospace company. And uh, recently we have uh, we have successfully applied for a grant at the, from the European Space Agency, where uh, the European Space Agency actually goes in and uh, co-funds the uh, the development of a full system solution powered by Aquapoint Inside Technology our forward osmosis technology, where we can extract water from urine into a draw solution. And then as a draw solution recovery step, you end up having clean drinking water from urine. We actually headed into space in the last episode of the podcast, where we interviewed Aquaporin's main responsible of the Aquaporin Space Alliance and the CEO of the Danish aerospace company. We talked about how to reuse water in space, even the astronaut's urine and some of the technologies that help us realize space missions to places still unknown. And um, this is a good example of a public-private partnership where you actually have Aquapoint as a technology provider, you have Danish Aerospace Company as a system integrator, then you have ESA, the European Space Agency, as an end user, or you could actually say it's the astronaut that is the end user, and then ESA is also uh, co-sponsoring this technology development. It's a very good example of uh, how we can get co-funding for for the integration of the aquaponics side technology into uh, larger system solutions. And then if there would be more earthbound applications to uh, 
to the use of extracting water, either from urine or other wastewater streams, and then using uh, a draw solution recovery step to produce clean drinking water, then Aquapoint actually owns all the rights to the earthbound application out of that. So it's a, for Aquapoint, it's a, re, it's a win-win situation. We get something very innovative and really interesting in our public-private partnerships and collaboration with uh, both the Danish Aerospace Company and the European Space Agency. But we actually also get intellectual property that Aquapoint owns 100% for earthbound applications. And for our listeners, I can just say if they didn't already listen to it, our last episode was exactly about the space technologies where we talked to Thomas A. Anderson also about this space alliance. But now it's a new year. If we look at the calendar, it says 2022 and everyone talks about new year resolutions. What are the new year resolutions for Aquaporin and what role does open innovation play? I think we have some uh, quite clear goals uh, commercially where we where we are first of all we are we are commercializing our drinking water products uh, and that is sort of the first wave in the commercialization of our aquaponic inside products that uh, we will have a lot of focus on drinking water in 2022 in parallel we will be uh, maturing pilots in industrial wastewater uh, treatment and also in food and beverage applications um, and then I think the second commercial wave in 2023 will be in industrial water. Open innovation is uh, is playing the role in this commercialization focus by bringing partnerships primarily. And I think it's very important for Aquapoint to uh, keep on focusing on uh, on partnerships because nobody can solve uh, the world's problem in in water alone. It's something that we that we have focused a lot on in Aquapoint, that we need the right partners and system integrators to bring the Aquapoint inside the technology into the water space for the different types of water treatment solutions that we are providing. And you only do that through uh, through partnerships or through direct collaborations. And this is exactly what we gain out of, uh, for instance, public-private partnerships. We can also get it out of... Uh, our in-house uh, open innovation activities or from technology scouting where we can find sort of the missing piece in the puzzle. So um, in that sense, I, I really think that the open innovation activities are, are crucial uh, for, for Aquapoint's commercialization. The other part is then that Aquapoint is also a water technology company that keeps on focusing on innovation. So even though we have a, a lot of products already on the market, we keep on innovating and uh, we do that best together with companies or with uh, academic institutions because through this we secure that what we do is relevant to society. So I would say the best type of innovation that I can imagine in our open innovation activities for 2022 is really to find a company that says we need exactly this type of aquaponic inside membrane and if you can make this then we know how to commercialize it and we are more or less willing to uh, to commit to buying that membrane if you can uh, reach this performance of the membrane. And then you will really close the technology gap, so to speak, for us. Um, and we can only reach these targets that we have that are quite ambitious uh, through open innovation activities. So it sounds like it will be another busy year for Aquaporin. Good luck in your new role as Chief Innovation Officer and thank you for taking your time to talk to us. Thank you. Open innovation plays a huge role at Aquaporin 
and in their strategy to be creative and open to new partnerships. And it's especially close to Peter's heart. For him, Aquapara needs to keep focusing on partnerships, because no one can solve the world's water crisis on their own. This means bringing in new companies, students, researchers, and so on, to open up a dialogue so there is no closed innovation at Aquaporin. This was the ninth episode of the podcast series Water X Future, presented by Aquaporin. In the next episode, we're taking a look at the concept cathedral thinking and what it means. We're constantly on the lookout to improve and develop our podcast. If you have any comments or thoughts, send us a message on Facebook and we'll get right back to you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back soon.